into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club as featured on HBO. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined this week by Mark Donaldson. Okay, here's here's the deal for you as a certain Mr. Biden over here would say. You're no longer allowed to just quote Heart of Midlothian Football Club. You have to say unbeaten Heart of Midlothian Football Club because we know they're going to screw up soon. Hopefully not against Dundee, but we, we're not going to get this for much longer. So anytime you say Heart Midlothian or Heart Midlothian Football Club, it has to be preceded by the word unbeaten. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the for the early correction. Yes, indeed. Unbeaten Heart of Midlothian Football Club. And many would have expected that we wouldn't have been able to say that after the weekend. But we can. We can still say it. And I'm delighted that We'll be joined once again by a man who's returned from sitting on the bench across the world to sit at home <laughs> and chat about unbeaten heart of Midlothian football club. It's Ryan McGowan. I wish I was home. I'm over. I'm in Bahrain at the moment, so I've been here, there, and everywhere. So hold on, hold where is home? Where would you class home? Where you hang your hat? Yeah. Hang Edinburgh. Your hat. Edinburgh would be home. Okay. Yeah, Adelaide's home, home, but. I've not lived in Adelaide since well, coming up to 16 years now. So, um, yeah, definitely more based in, in Edinburgh. That's home. But you, but, but, but Q8, when you, when you get there, that's kind of home, isn't it? Home from home. Yeah, that's my work home. <laughs> that's your that's my work uh, home. We've so, uh, Ryan, Mark is the one that takes us on tangents. We can't go on a where is home tangent yeah. two minutes in. <laughs> I was going to tell you everywhere I've been in the last 10 days, but I won't bore you either. No, the, the podcast only an hour and a bit. Come on. Oof, it could be, it could be X-rated as well, could it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Whoa, that's sire. Have you had a beer? Absolutely not. Wow. <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. Um, well, Ibrox, Ibrox still, still buzzing from that, right? Indeed. Well, I mean, before that, just in case someone is wondering, or if anyone is wondering why the hell I mentioned HBO, uh, purely because oh, yeah. Hearts this week announced a partnership with Now TV to mark the release of Succession Season 3. Either of you watch Succession? Yeah, but I don't know what Now TV is, because over here, Succession's on HBO, so... I, I, I assume yeah. you don't have HBO in the UK, but you have like Sky Atlantic or Now TV. Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, Now TV is uh, it's linked to to Sky TV, so it's like a way of streaming um, TV okay. shows, um, sport, and movies with without like a Sky TV subscription. So oh, okay, gotcha. You can you can watch Succession, or you can you can get like a day pass to Sky Sports and things. Um, but yeah, that's like 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 we used to get like a day pass for ten minutes of which it didn't cost anything. Usually about ten o'clock on a Saturday night, and it was a German channel. That kind of subscription with the wink, wink, and the nudge, nudge. 
Um, Are you two? You two must be too young for that. Absolutely uh, we just, too young for that. Well, you're not admitting too, it. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I don't want to know what was going on in whatever hotel you were staying at last. Whatever was on the bill. No, just you used to get a ten-minute preview on RTL and Sat Eins. The German you only needed, on Saturday How night. long did you? No, I'm not going to go there. You don't. Um, no, you don't need ten minutes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so <laughs> in the last <laughs> Jesus Succession's okay. ex- Succession's wow, that's that's a number of tangents. Succession is excellent. The the okay. weird thing is though. So, so his son buys him a football club and he yes. buys some hearts and he's a Hibs fan. Um, he's yes. A, and this is where Alan, 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 sorry, Alan Patello from the Scotsman's complaining now. He's like, Brian Cox is from Dundee. What the hell is he doing trying to get football clubs in Edinburgh? He should be buying Dundee or Dundee. In a- yes, Alan, pipe down. Yes. So in um, the last season of the show, Succession, the HBO show, I, I don't watch it. I've, I, I've heard of it, though. Um, the son of the main character, the main character is played by Brian Cox, and his son uh, tries to impress him by buying him a football club and buys him hearts, but doesn't realise his billionaire dad is actually a fan of Hibs. And um, in a nod to the storyline, now TV have worked with Hearts and a partnership celebrating the fictional takeover of the team, uh, which sees the family's infamous company, Waystar Royco, added to the front of the Hearts shirt. So you'll see on the Hearts website, on the Twitter page, and on a few news outlets, there's pictures of Benny Beningame, Ben Woodburn, Stephen Kingsley, all wearing Hearts shirts with Waystar Royco. Um, and there's also 95 of these branded shirts being created uh, to be, I think, won by fans. You go on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and um, and all the Hearts social media pages, and that's raising funds for MND Scotland. So it seems like a unique bit of advertising, and it also raises money for a good cause. I I thought it was yeah. I thought it was quite quirky and and all all very good. Mm-hmm. Yep, great. Idea. What's what's the reason behind 95? Anything? No. I genuinely uh, the, have the no number idea. Of, the number of jerseys they've made. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought there was maybe something behind that. Don't mind what me. Wa- no. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to do, now I know we've not given much homework in the last few weeks, and I know we've done some homework about your kind of Scottish football slash hearts ideas for film and TV. I thought this would be a good opportunity to put a homework question out there on come up with a way to shoehorn hearts or smoothly put them in to an existing TV series. So it, it could be something that's already finished Ooh. or something that's ongoing. So how could you get, a, what storyline could you get to get hearts somehow into whatever TV show it is, you know, it could be an older one that you like, so Sopranos, Breaking Bad, or it could be one that's ongoing. Um, it could be a soap or whatever, but just something, some kind of TV show. How could you mm. get hearts into the storyline? I think that's. I, God, I, I, I know, I know exactly. I think, I think that's a great question, and I don't know exactly how it's going to work because hearts this season are going to be unbeaten, right? So no one is going to manage to beat hearts in the league. Okay. okay. The only the only thing that will stop Hearts is when they go on an end of season break to Blackpool, and just like what happened to Alan Bradley in Coronation Street, Hearts get knocked over by a tram, and the tram is the only one that can get the better of Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the unbeaten Heart of Midlothian Football Club, and there's your Coronation Street 
link from the eighties, maybe with Rita when Alan was there when he met his end. So the whole again, that's how you get in. Hearts. So the tram runs the whole team over. Yeah, because it's the only thing that can stop Hearts this season because none of the other teams can do it. But Hearts go celebrating. They're on the piss. They're drinking whatever they're drinking, and they're all hammered. Um, but everyone's everyone's alive. We're not killing them off here like we did with Alan Alan Bradley. Everyone's <laughs> fine. They don't, they they don't even get, get injured. Tram they just get. They just, they're fine. They, yeah, but they just get knocked. Yeah, they, that's. But then they get. Beat. Hey, it's my story, son. But but they don't get beaten in the league. But the only thing to knock them off their perch is a Blackpool <laughs> tram, and there's your Coronation Street link. Look, there's no rules or regs about this. It's not a case of how true, clever or stupid true. it has to sound. I'm just saying the only way the Hearts are losing this season is if the players go to Blackpool to celebrate an unbeaten season and the tram knocks them over, but everyone's okay. No one was hurt in the making of this commercial. Well, hopefully someone can come up with something better than that. Um, piss off. What's your <laughs> suggestion then, Gobshite? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, that's pretty crap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn it, mute. I'm going to eat some crisps. <laughs> Go and comfort eat. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I've not got any suggestions yet. To be fair, it's it's one more suggestion that I'm putting out there at this stage. But yeah, why not? Like, get in touch with us next week. We'll we'll have a look at, at what you have. So, how can you shoehorn Hearts into? Um, what storyline could you put them into? Some kind of TV show. It could be an ongoing TV show. It could be a soap. It could be a TV show that's now finished that you used to watch. How do you get Hearts in there? So there the you Grand go. Tour. There you go. Where the three of them... Oh, this is, you, you're just going to throw them at me, aren't, me, aren't you, for the next well, five I'm, minutes? Yeah, and you're going to say shit. Shit. No, that's <laughs> the Grand Tour. So, so Hearts take the boys from Top Gear or the Amazon show or whatever at the end of the season when they're unbeaten and they go and celebrate. And it's a... it's a, They go up north. They go everywhere. So there you, there's your... Come on, son. I'm not keep coming up with stuff if you're not coming up with anything. I think these are all right. Mm, what do you think, Ryan? Sire. No. Terrible ideas. Absolutely terrible. I was going along the lines of like gangster Romanov coming, drug money. I'm interested. They just finished the Sopranos again. That would be interesting. Yeah. So like um, than Alan Bradley getting hit by a tram. And they like filter the money through hearts and they go on to win the league. Well, you could it could be like Sopranos, but you could maybe throw Hibs in there because we don't want to see hearts get um, go in trouble. But, uh, you know, Hibs are in such dire straits that Tony Soprano has to bail them out, and then he ends up just walking in and taking over. And they put they have to, you know, they have to put. Um, I don't know. Chris Moltisanti has to get a game in goals as part of the deal. We used to say as um, young boys when it was all like kicking off and it was great times to be a a young player. Was what they're doing now with all those sort of fly on the wall documentaries? How good they would have been back in the yeah. day? You know, like the Tottenham one, and um, there's another couple of the ones that. There's loads of them actually at the minute. Yeah, Sunderland, Man City, now, loads, yeah. Man City, yeah. If they had one of them back in sort of 2009, 2008, it would have been great. Uh, we are going to talk about Rangers Hearts this week. Um, we'll have a have a wee chat about how far this Hearts team could potentially go. We've got a few tweets and we, we ran a, a quick poll on the on the Twitter page this week as well. And we will look ahead to the Dundee game as well. But if you do want to get in touch with us about ideas for a heart storyline in an existing TV show, then you can tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Previously on Scarves Around the Funnel. 
I would like to see one change. I'd like to see Suter in for Moore and the rest the same. I think it'll be Rangers 1, Hearts 1 because the reason I'm, I'm hoping he, he goes with the three up top, Boyce and t- the two behind, that Rangers defence isn't anything special. I mean, from set plays, they are, uh, I think they're, they're vulnerable um, and, I, and I think we can get at them. Okay, let's get to the proper stuff. We're a Hearts football pod, an unbeaten Heart and Midlothian football podcast. So let's have a quick listen back to the goals from the weekend at Ibrox. Good control by Hadji on the right. Looks to take on Cochrane, driving towards the Hearts box. Onto his left foot, low into the area. Halkett stabs it clear. Only as far as Lundstrom curls it in. Oh, it's a great goal by John Lundstrom. Five and a half minutes left in the first half. And that is a fantastic strike from John Lundstrom. It's his second of the season, his first in the league. And it makes it Rangers 1, Hartem and Lothian 0. Mackay Stephen whips it in. McGregor comes, he's missing. Headed in the right post. And Craig Halkin scored! Craig Halkin against his former side! It's a disaster for Alan McGregor, who misses the corner. And right on 90 minutes in front of the Rangers fans, Craig Halkett nods in at the back post. Rangers won, Hart of Midlothian won. Halkett with the goal, McGregor with the error. We're all square at Ibrox. Rangers won, Hart of Midlothian won. And it means that Mr. Donaldson was bang on with his prediction. In fact, he got the team selection correct he wanted Suter in for Moore and he said 1-1 well done thank you I listened back to it last week's podcast after the game uh, just finished the last couple of days and not wanting to pat myself on the back because I'm not right very often I went on to say that their weakness is set plays having just said 1-1 so can I claim a trifecta no. Uh, mm, no. Jesus, that's just a tough crowd. I mean, I'll take the one-one. I mean, it was it wasn't looking good for long. If 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 it was the Morelos that hadn't had his head turned, or the Morelos that was playing for a move without being in the half, that game is probably dead and buried. But you know what? That last fifteen minutes, it's been a while since I saw a Hearts team play like that at Ibrox. Indeed. I mean, look at the team first of all. I mean, we talked about it. I think one of the, I think one of the encouraging things. We'll talk about the game a little bit, but in terms of the lineup, you know, we've we've spoken before, our fans have spoken before, certainly about um, Robbie sometimes overthinking or tinkering with his team and changing what has worked before when we play one of the the better teams or it's a big game. But I think it was good to see him just go well. We've been playing well. We've been winning. Why change that winning formula? I know Suter came in for Moore, but you know that made sense because Suter has been—he hasn't been fully fit, and he was back fit. So you you put your best players in. I think that was encouraging to see, and I think it maybe shows the the confidence that he has mm-hmm. in, in this group of players and and his starting line yeah. and system. It's a lot easier to tell a player that they're not playing, and then they ask why. If your team's winning, and say, "Well, I'm not going to change an unbeaten side," and as I said last week. If Suter's fit, Suter starts. And in this instance, you're not putting Taylor Moore ahead of Halkett or Kingsley. So it just made sense. Sometimes things that make sense are actually the right ideas. And yeah, I was happy enough with the team selection. I'm, I'm glad he went with what he went. In terms of the match itself, 
first half especially, I know there was a few grumbles and it was a bit of a frustrating half. It, it, it was almost it was almost going towards our Celtic Park performance. It wasn't quite as defensive as that. It wasn't but, great, but it wasn't that bad. But you you kind of felt like the way we were, I would say we were letting. I mean, Rangers are a good team, and they started the game. They started the game well. They started the game in the front foot. They pushed Hearts back a bit, but I did feel like we we allowed them to play a little bit too much. And when the goal came in, to be fair, it was a very good goal from John Lundstrom. But it did feel like it was coming. I know we restricted them to mainly efforts from outside the box, but they were getting into dangerous areas. And do you think this was part of the game plan to? to sit in to a degree and try and stay in, in the match? Because as much as we wanted Hearts to, to have a goal, so to speak, you're never going to go to an, an Ibrox or Celtic Park and be on the front foot for the entire game. They are going to have large spells of the match no. where they'll have they'll have possession, they'll have, and they'll create chances. The game plan was, was to keep the ball away from their midfield. The game plan was to keep the ball full stop to try and keep the ball, be brave on the ball. And it worked to an extent, but not very well in the first half. I've seen, I love Scottish football, always well. I don't care standard or whatever. It's, it's, it's Scottish football. It's what I grew up with. So I've seen a lot of Rangers this season when they're playing in Europe and being on TV as well. That was probably the best first half performance that Rangers have produced this season. They had to step up their game because they knew they had a tough task. And they stepped up their game. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were, they were decent in the first half without being great. But that's the best that they played. Then the kind of it came home to roost in the second half. So from a Hearts perspective, the, the game plan was was not to be too dissimilar to, to what they did in previous games when, when they played at home um, and they won against Livingston and and Motherwell. It was be brave on the ball, but to try and funnel play from side to side to get that Rangers central midfield uh, moved. Well, I'm not I'm not just saying this off the top. I had I spent a bit of time with Robbie last week when I was when I was home at, at, at Rickerton and he gave me a kind of one or two little snippets that he thought they, they would try and do. And he, he was right. He got the team spot on before kickoff, what Rangers would do. Um, and they played pretty much the same way that he thought that, that they would. But he always wanted to be in a predicament whereby they were always in with a chance, with 20 minutes mm-hmm. to go or, or whatever. And that didn't really work at Celtic Park. That game was lost, even although it ended up pretty close on the scoreline. They were miles apart. Yeah. But he knew that he could change things. And he, well, the one thing that, that he's happy about right now is the strength and depth that he's got, not only in the bench, but in the squad. Because he can say to guys like McInef and Jamie Walker, look, I need to see something from you in training just to get on the bench. Get hungry, be hungry, do stuff. Um, Gary McKay-Stevens has been struggling a little bit with with an injury, um, but he was able to get the last eight minutes. So he's got a strong bench. So he knew that not only could he bring players on, and he made three changes with Janelli, Nondwee, and McKay-Steven, but he also knew that he's got this kind of hunger in his squad that players know if they don't play well, they'll not be playing the following week if Hearts don't win the game or, or lose the game. We didn't. And I thought we, we, we got stronger as the game wore on, and that was very that was pleasing for me as a fan because that doesn't normally happen in Glasgow. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange second half for, I thought, the, the first half of the second half. It became very low-key, the, the tempo dropped. It turned into a very flat game and it started to frustrate the Rangers fans. And then it sort of burst into life, as you mentioned, with 20 minutes to go. It kind of started with Liam Boyce getting sent in on goal, um, flagged offside, McGregor blocked it. And then um, uh, Barry Mackay weaved through half of the Rangers team and 
and produced, a, and it was McGregor who produced a good save again. And from that point, it kind of felt like the switch had been flicked. Um, and I don't know if it was like suddenly the Rangers yep. players thought, yep. oh Christ, we're in a game here. We're not home and dry. And suddenly the Hearts players, it seemed to be like belief was switched on. It's like, this is it. This is us time to go for it. I mean, this game's this game's tight. It's 1-0. We've got 20 minutes. The, the second half's been even. And you just felt like something was coming. It, you, you felt like it was either, it was either going to be a case of Rangers will snatch something as the game opens up and seal it, or we'll get an equalise. It just felt like it was it was getting open, it was getting stretched a little, and that suited us more than them. Yeah, and and they they should have scored the second goal. There's no doubt about that with Morelos, and, and they didn't. But you you can have plenty of the ball, but you've got to have belief. And and Ryan, you must have played in many games when you've both been one nil up and one nil down. I mean. Look at Aberdeen earlier this season, um, who got stronger in, in the second half. Something gives you a belief. And there, there comes a point where, I think, you, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, it doesn't really matter what the opposition is. If you've got the bit between your teeth and you fancy it and you're a goal down or, or whatever, then you, it's total subconscious, isn't it? You just, right, we can get something from this. And it's, it's more, let's do this, as opposed to, shit, who are we playing against? Yeah, 100%. And like what we said, I think the game plan would have been to try and keep it nil-nil or still be in the game with the last 20 or with the options that they have on the bench. And I used to love that. If I used to know if I had a dangerous player coming up onto the pitch you know, and reverse it, if you had been playing well after 60 minutes and keeping their winger quiet, then they bring on another winger who's just the same and you're thinking, oh, Jesus, my legs are already heavy and this guy's flying about. Do you mean it puts you on the back foot and then the opposite side is... You know, if you're one nil down and you're bringing on GMS, Janelli, you're like, right, we can have a go here. It doesn't matter if we're going to lose 2 nil or 3 nil, but we've got a right good chance of, of getting on the front foot. And then, like what you say, similar to the Aberdeen game, once that team sort of gets on top, it's really hard to try and change that momentum. And yeah, uh, like we said, I think the Hart squad's really, really strong. And I, I really can't see, uh, unless there's a major flux of injuries I just think they're in a really really good zone at the moment in terms of players that are playing are, are fully confident and are winning players that are on the bench are coming on wanting to be involved in that team and then there's like you mentioned a couple of good quality players that would probably walk into most other SBL teams can't even make the bench so training is going to be ramped up even more and I think it's just that cycle of if you can keep that going and momentum and keep it rolling then like you said Champions League Winners in a couple of seasons and everything's nice and rosy. One thing I have to say, um, boys, on behalf of of a, a rather unhappy Craig Gordon, um, is that you remember his double save? I, I think you've seen the highlights, Ryan. Yeah. Or yeah. you're obviously. It wasn't a double save, and he was he was a he was a pains to point that out. Um, it isn't Michael Smith that clears it off the line. It's Craig Gordon's boot. I and mean, He must have sent me three or four stills. I'm like, what are you have here? Do you get a bonus for doing a triple <laughs> save or something? But that was a, there were a few turning points as well, but a triple save, I mean, it looked like a double save, Michael Smith off the line, but for Craig Gordon, again, just how nice is it to have someone so dependable between the sticks when you go to somewhere like that? Yeah, you need your goalie to be playing well in whenever you go to these big games. And um, I think the last, well, the past couple of seasons has shown how important a, a mm-hmm. good solid goalie is. Oh, even the roof chance. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, onto the post. Yeah, that's yep. that. That's a yep. great save because if you look at it when he slow when he slows down, there's not much wrong that Roof does, but 
Greg just gets in such a good position at such a good, you know, he's quickly out, but he's not, he's quickly out and then he's set, you know, as the goal, goalkeepers say, and his arms are wide and it's, yeah, it's just a, a really big point. And I'm sure if I was playing in that game, I would be thinking, right, there we go. That's their big chance. If they score, that's 2-0, it could be 4, and he just saps all the confidence out of you. Whereas we save that and you think, right, we're still in the game, 20 minutes to go, let's give it a shot. So one of the things I think he's, um, not that he was poor at it when he was younger, but I think it's so noticeable, you know, the older Craig Gordon, I think, is the way he comes out and makes himself big. I think it, you know, it's obviously easier to make yourself big when you're six foot four or was it six foot ten that Jamie McDonald thinks he is. But um, he is so good at that, <laughs> narrowing angles and, and making it very difficult for an attacking player to get it past him and often get it. I think he, it was similar to the, against Celtic when Forrest had that chance. I think it's maybe off his yeah. upper arm, but he just may, he, he covers so much of the goal that he makes it much more difficult than it should be for an attacker. And I think part you've got to stay brave, haven't you? I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. we're not goalkeepers, and and you can't if someone's at point blank range, your 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 human instinct, your your instinct is just to to turn your face, close your eyes, don't want to get hit. Just it's protection. So the goalies are weird, right? They, they they've I've told the you. ones that want to be a goal. Well, <laughs> I, I know, but we can't live without them. Mm. And and I love the one that we have right now. Um, but the instinct of a normal person would be, oh shit, I might get a sore face or whatever. But he stays big. Schmeichel was so good at that. Yeah. And you're like, hold on, you're through on goal of Ryan or whoever, and and you're thinking, oh, shit, I thought I had a bit more to to aim for, and then suddenly here comes the Hulk, and you're like, what do I do? But yeah, everyone needs to play a part. And and Craig right, played, he's played with the Hulk, have you not? Played against him at least. Played against him. Got his got his top. Use as a bed sheet. It's massive. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely massive. But yeah, even on a, on a coaching point, um, you know, obviously as a defender, we have we the goalies are normally hanging around us, and it's so important that the the goalies they use it as set. So it's when they're shooting that they're still or that they're allowed like able to move and you see it so often that the goalies come running out and they just slide it under them or slide it between their legs or you know when you watch it in slow motion you think why is he not just put his hand down there it's because they're not actually set and um, mm-hmm. goalies work on it so much of when that through ball comes getting within a distance that they're not close enough that they can take that touch around them but not far enough that it opens up the angles for the you know inside the post and if you watch Craig, he is so good at getting into that spot and then just being set and being able to then react to that shot incoming in. Um, I think that's a perfect one. You can ask him. I think that was perfectly done, um, especially with that roof chance for sure. Before we get to the the goal, a couple of couple of flashpoints. Uh, the first of which, um, I, I have to confess, during commentary in terms of. I saw the challenge in real time. I did get a, a great view. I got a quick clip on the laptop. I didn't see it as a, a straight red when it first happened. But obviously when you see a few replays, the Joe Aribo challenge on friend of the mm. show, Cammy Devlin. It's a bit of a bad one, Ryan, isn't it? And you've got to say, I mean, the referee where he is, he really does have a good view of it. If that's the other way around, if that's Cammy Devlin on Joe Aribo, what card do you think is getting flashed? We all know what card's getting flashed, but I don't know. It's it's so tricky when you slow it down and you get those still. It 
it's definitely a red. And I'm pretty sure if the ref has seen it, he gives it a red. But then you have to think he's staring right at it. The only thing I can think is that he, he feels that he's not touched him. So he feels like his foot's on the way down as Cammy's sort of running through. But in this day and age, you can't even, you know, if someone's running straight at you, you can't even do that motion anymore of trying to nick the ball yeah. away. You just run that risk. And yeah, they could have easily had a, I think we're going to touch on it, a couple of red cards, which, you know, it'd be interesting. I think if the VAR was in, I think that comes back and he gets a red card mm-hmm. for that challenge because VAR is very much like it. They just look at it in slow motion and still they don't take into you know consideration everything that's kind of happened i would be very certain that he'd be getting a little voice in the ear to say come over to the monitor and um yeah you can't tackle like that anymore my, my biggest problem in introducing var in scottish football uh, in, in essence if var is done right it's, a, it's an asset to the game but var ultimately is is, is human uh, it's got a huge human element but it's all human basically do you trust the people Given the fact that we have our own opinions about Scottish refereeing and Scottish officiating, officiating do you trust them to get that right? Because we've seen in all leagues, just because it goes to VAR doesn't necessarily mean the right decision is made. And it's so different, isn't it, when you slow something down? I mean, the Porteous one, there's a distinct debate. I think that was a more clear-cut, what I thought was a red card for the Rebo's challenge than, than the Porteous one. Um I want, see the weird thing is I wasn't shouting for it at the time. No, I think so in quickly. real time from a from you know from a wide shot or when you're there when you're way back in the stands, I didn't. It happened very quickly because it you know I think because he gets the ball and it's his heavy touch which ends up leading to the challenge. So it's almost like yeah, you're not you're not ready for it. And it wasn't to be fair from a heart side there wasn't a huge clamor from the players. Either. No, there wasn't. Um, no. for a red and, card, and a reminder, so. a reminder of law 12 careless is a foul reckless is a yellow using excessive force is a red mm. so which one of those three does that challenge fall under yeah see VAR might look at that as just reckless and the porterous one is excessive force but I don't get the uh, excessive force I, I just don't understand that I, that's like just a someone that's never played. <laughs> but that's just like what I just think what is Jimmy, imagine you're going in for a tackle and you, you lose it, and you said, "Oh yeah, well I was at that you know forceful range where I couldn't go any, I couldn't go any more harder there in case I got a red card." Jimmy, you're going to win the ball. You're going to win the ball. It's, I just I get, feel like that sort of excessive challenge leaves it's too much of a grey area. You know, if you've got two that. boys sprinting yeah. at each other, you can't then just slow down to take a little bit of force off the tackle. Yeah, it's one of those where I think. Uh, the bit that always irks me is when people freeze it and they show someone off the ground. But I'm like, if you're sliding in, you don't, you're not instantly on the ground sliding. You have to jump. So you stretch yes. and jump yeah. to get there. I mean, you don't always beware a freeze there. frame. Do you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I've not played football at any sort of level, but I've, I've done a slide tackle before and you don't. You don't sit on the ground and then drag yourself along. You have to jump. You know, you know, you're not Gary Lineker trying to wipe away his, you know what, after he, you have to jump and stretch out your, your legs. So if you freeze it, there's going to be a moment where you're in the air and everyone says, oh, it was out of control. I'm like, well, but where's the line here? You have to then just say, well, you have to outlaw slide tackling. You can't slide tackle. You have to stay on your feet. Because there's always going to be that moment where you're in the air as you stretch out. I just... I know what you mean, Ryan. I think sometimes it gets taken a bit far and it's like, where do you draw the line? 
Yeah. Ryan's right. There is a grey area, hugely. But when I say always beware a, a kind of a still photo, going back to the, back in the spot, the ball days in the evening news, you, when, you, when they found out where the ball was in the photo, you're like, it's impossible for that ball to be there. But a still can do that. Even a slow-mo, a slow-mo can make things look far worse than they actually are. So I, I, I don't know if you should be able or should be allowed to have the use of, of a slow-mo in, in, when a replay uh, or when a referee looks at it, because it can make things look a lot worse. I mean, the, we have to go with what we saw first of all. Right? It's easy to, to re-referee something after the event, and we're being hypocrites here if we say that we thought it was a red card at the start. There might be some. I didn't. But that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be a red card after looking at it. But it was a yellow, and we move on. Indeed. And we've yeah we've gone slightly off topic, because I do think that one was a red, but I think sometimes there's... There is that grey area with them. The The next flashpoint was um, right in front of our manager and uh, ended up with Junior um, Bakuna putting his arms up and getting his hand around the neck of Stephen Kingsley, which did not go down well with Robbie Nielsen, who mm. quite possibly got a worse disciplinary record as a manager than he did when he was actually <laughs> playing. I'd like to see the stats, actually, of that. But... Um, Two yellows, a red card for Robbie Nielsen. Mark, was he right to be as irate as he was? Uh, He's got the best view. I mean, he's got a front row view of it. Basically, he was in amongst it, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was. Um, Dermot Gallagher went on Sky and and said he felt it was handled well, this particular instant, and a yellow card apiece would suffice. I'm I'm tending to agree with that. I think, again, is is it... is it reckless or is it excessive force? That's for the challenge. I mean, a, a, a strangle. It's not strangulation, but his, his arms are around the throat. But he's he's had something, he's been prompted to do that by, by Kings. I think a yellow is fine. And for Robbie complaining, uh, I know this is a, a pre-recorded podcast. Most people won't get this until after Wednesday onwards. But within the last few minutes, Robbie Nielsen has been told by the SFA he can either accept a one-match ban for his red card or have his case heard in front of a disciplinary panel on the 4th of November. So the game after the 4th of November Dundee United. Um, for Hearts is, is Dundee United at, uh, at home on the 6th. So uh, there's always the danger if you appeal, it can be a frivolous appeal and you could get double your ban or whatever. I, I'm not sure what he said, only he will know. He'll decide if it's worth I think it was petulance, wasn't it? Um, something you said, and then petulance, it got the second yellow, or he's, whatever. So, yeah, the misses Dundee at home or Dundee United at home, uh, plus plus maybe one. And, uh, I don't know. What, what did you think? I think that's I think that's a red. You can't be lifting your head. Again, going back to this, <laughs> this day and age, but you, pushing's different, but he's gone to, do you mean, he's put his hand around your throat. You can't do that. You can't touch the face that's sort of the whole you see it in loads of countries where you know they tap the head or flip the head um i think kingsley's done him a favor i think if kingsley goes down there yeah you, might be a red just, yeah you could just look at a red card i just don't i just don't get it i don't if he pushes them back they're fine yeah a couple of yellow cards or or whatever and you move on but to you know to grab someone by the throat or to go make that motion is yeah i think that's a red and it would, again it would be interesting with the VAR, you know, because it, it, it's such a grey area, you know, like you said, he wasn't strangling them as such, but what was he trying to do? Do you mean? You can't just 
grab his throat. And then it's just one of these like, events. Oh, if, if, if yeah, if a red's given, you can't have any complaints. Just I, this is where I think players just don't do it. Don't be don't be tempted to retaliate because once you give the referee a decision to make, some referees could send you off because of that. So again, there's not a right or a wrong answer here because it's subjectivity. And what did Kingsley say? It was just in the heat of the moment. The ball was going out of play and he knew it was going out of play and he's taken the touch away. So I was trying to get the ball back. It was just emotion. One of those things. I was surprised when it happened at first. I just got on with it. You get on with it. And I was just so happy that soon after we managed to get an equaliser. Asked if he agreed with Nielsen and believed that Bacunia should have been sent off. Kingsley said, I'll leave that up to the ref. I wasn't happy when he did it and I raised my hands after it in a bit of a reaction. Uh, wow, he's had media training. Maybe I shouldn't have done that either, but I think you're entitled to when someone grabs your throat. I agree. But it's just one of those things. You just deal with it, get on with it, and shake hands after the game. That's pretty magnanimous, Ryan. Yeah, he's done his media training, but I'll stick up. That's a red card. If I think Robbie has every right to be um, pretty angry about that one. And I think you can tell by Robbie's reaction. As soon as he hits the throat, he's like, oh, yes, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a red. I mean, you just can't do that anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's why he got so excited about it or so then angry when it was just a yellow, especially with the fourth official. Normally the fourth official would say, yeah, he's grabbed him by the throat. It, 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 do you mean there's not much more you can say? He's grabbed him by the throat. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's a red card. And it's not as if it's, you know, those flailing elbows or flailing arms that's kind of hit him. He's standing face to face with him. He knew exactly what he was what he was trying to do and it was just a little bit of a, a brain fart from the from the Rangers player and he should have been off. It meant that Robbie Nielsen was off though and um, it meant he missed the Hearts goal but he said <laughs> that I've got when I when I read this I had images of um, Hello Darkness my old friend with Alan McGregor looking staring into space when <laughs> Nielsen says I didn't see the goal but I just heard the silence, which was nice. <laughs> because, yes, final minute of the 90, Hearts get a corner on the right and substitute Gary Mackay-Steven whips it in right on top of the goalkeeper. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're always having a good laugh afterwards, Alan McGregor, but he, he's obviously a very good goalkeeper. I did not expect this at all. It's like, it's not even one where he spills it or he kind of, tries to punch, he doesn't get enough on it. It's like he tries to catch it, but misjudges it by like a yard. And it's far too high for him. And he kind of gets a wee touch on it, flaps at it. And Craig Halkett nods in with a fairly simple goal to level things up and cue Bedlam in the press deck where I was standing. And obviously with the 900 Hearts fans in the corner of the broom loan, wonderful scenes. But it was like, shock more than anything Mark when it happened it, it, it was I wasn't expecting it just because it's, it's hardly ever something that's happened in the past was it one point from the last nine games that we had prior to, yeah, to going yeah. to Ibrox so with the way that the game ended in the last 15 after their missed, missed opportunity and the chances and the pressing that Hearts did and then Barry Mackay going through on goal and I know the offside flag was up against Boyce and then Nondwe had uh, we're four four two at this stage, and I thought that that really worked when he switched the formation because they were they were all over the place towards the end, mm-hmm. and the corner came in, and, and McGregor's become a very angry goalkeeper over the years, and he's, become he, he kind of <laughs> well, he, he was never like that. It wasn't like that right at the start. 
I'm, t- I'm he's, talking. He's been angry family. for a long time, though. He's been angry for a long time. He has been angry a long, but he's he's got angry as he's got older. And if he starts off at pretty angry, look what he is now. So he's he's turning around looking for something to be angry at, and realizes that he's screwed up and he can't really have a go at anybody. But then limbs, L I M B S, as the away end just kind of got bruises and bumps that'll be um, like kind of war wounds that people will be pointing. I got that eye, Brox. Oh, hi, what were you doing? <laughs> Celebrating, I. And for anybody that says you only got a point, screw them, screw them, because that feels like three points for yeah. us. It's a honestly, it's one of the worst feelings when you and Rangers were the better side for a large chunk of that, and and over the piece did they deserve it? Well, that's for other people to decide, but they think they're getting three points to to get it taken away from them. And when it's the same with Hearts, it's such a horrible feeling. But if you're on the other side, oh, it's joyous. I thought Craig Halkett really deserved that as well. Yes. I thought he was terrific at the back. And um, Ryan, I, 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 don't, I want to get your thoughts on Craig Halkett because he's had a tough time at Hearts, especially after his injury and when things weren't going well. Um, you know, he seemed to really struggle to get the form that he had at Livingston. Probably not a too unfair comparison to to look at the two of you as maybe similar centre backs in terms of good old fashioned centre backs, good in the air, strong in the tackle, but maybe not your ball playing John Souter type of centre backs. He's kind of excelled in that back three. And is he someone who I think Hearts fans have maybe forgotten why they signed him, you know, how good he was in that back three at Livingston. Sometimes it is good to just have that. I don't want to say bog standard defender, but your old fashioned defender, the one that wins all the headers, that wins the tackles, that does the basic things well. And I think he's been doing them all very well this season. And that sometimes goes under the radar a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And um, I think I mentioned it on one of the first podcasts I've been on. Um, one of our Aussie physios, he used to work at, well, I think he does work at Arsenal. And he makes an interesting point, which a lot of people found interesting, is that when you have an injury, especially a long term injury, they normally say times that by 1.5 until you get back to where you were pre-injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're out for six months, you're probably looking at eight to 12, uh, eight months to a year to get back to where you were pre that injury. So it's not just like he's had a six month injury. He's back now. He's fit. He should be flying. It takes that sort of momentum to get back going and your body getting used to playing. And I have no doubt that, you know, the last past couple of seasons, he's probably been playing with either a lot of pain or pushing through the bat, you know, pushing through that pain barrier because of circumstances, because of where hearts were. Like he couldn't really just sit out a couple of games. And then you look at, you know, the players that he's now playing with, Suda's back, back playing well. It takes that pressure off him of maybe having to be something that he's not comfortable with. You know, he, he knows he can pass it to John and John's going to find those passes into the tens or spray it out wide. And he, But John also then knows that when the ball goes up in the air that Craig's probably going to go and header it. And then he also knows that if he does have a mistake, it's probably not just going to be a goal straight away and everyone's pinning him because you've got Craig Gordon behind you. So I think there's a whole combination of things that are now just working. And um, yeah, you know, I, I love players that have, you know, maybe not gone through the you know, so-called pathway, you know, he did really well at Livingston, got his move to Hearts, had an injury, had a setback, you know, that's a little bit of, of life really. And and now he's coming back and and playing for a team that, you know, is right up there at top of the league, undefeated and, um, 
yeah, I've seen a few things in the media recently about a contract, but you know, I think definitely from the start of this season, he's someone that you should be looking to to get tied up because if he keeps p- performing the way he's performing in January, someone could get a steal on a pre-contract and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're thinking, how do we let him go? Yeah, Mark, I mean, one of the things is, um, I mean, the Hearts have got a heap of out-of-contract players. It'd be quicker to yeah. list the players who aren't out-of-contract. But when we're talking defensively, all the Hearts defenders are out-of-contract. Goalkeeper, like the back three, um, and the wing-backs technically as well. Obviously, Alex Cochran's on loan. Um one of the things I think we've really lacked for a few years, and one of the things I think that Aberdeen under Denny McInnes, especially with the first few years, they benefited from was consistency, a good team unit, especially defensively. I would really like to see us try and keep a hold of of everyone, basically, yeah. especially that, especially the goalkeeper in the back three. I think there's a lot to be said for for keeping that unit together and building that understanding. I'll make a prediction. Right now, it's just 19th of October, based on absolutely nothing. <laughs> but here's here's my prediction about who will still be at the football club next season out of the, the, the centre-backs. Uh, I think, well, and the goalkeeper, I think Craig Gordon, who has not, contrary to what's been written in the press, has not been offered a new deal yet. Uh, I think he'll stay on a 15-year deal, according to Robbie Nielsen, but that might take <laughs> some negotiating. Um, Halkett, Kingsley, and I think Taylor Moore, I think they'll find a way to get that done even though he's in a lot of money down south. Uh, I think they'll make that work. John Suter will not be a Hearts player next season. That's uh, that's what I think Ooh. will happen. Ooh. He'll be playing in England. Okay. Be a shame, but yep. Happens. Happens. I'll speak to Harry. Yeah, get, <laughs> try, and, try and get the inside track. Get him told. Get a message. Get a message through. So anyway, a big, a big point for Hearts, um, and it, I suppose it says a lot. And what I thought was interesting after the game, you know, people are, you know, maybe reassessing their expectations for the season. And of course, you know, we we, we spoke about it before. We spoke about it with Cami, just because we're saying why not? Why don't? Why not think Hearts could maybe challenge the top two? It's not a saying. Yeah, they definitely will. Yes, they'll win the league. We know that third and maybe even fourth in European football would still be a decent season for Hearts, especially given what's happened before. But I wanted to put it out there to get people's feelings right now. So a couple of days ago on the the Twitter page, after the Rangers game, I put a post up. And now the comparison I did make was that three years ago this month, Hearts were top of the Premiership, three points better off than the present day after the same number of games played. And they finished that season in sixth place. 16 points behind fourth. Now, with that in mind, I put out there, what do you think this heart side will achieve this season? And I want to review this again, especially after the next six games. But at the moment, from a couple of thousand votes almost, we've got 21% voted that hearts this season will challenge for the title or finish in the top two. 75% said third slash fourth in European football. 3%, uh, almost 3% said top six, but no European football. And the Hibs fans who hijacked it, 1% voted for bottom six. So interesting. I, I think it's largely how I expected it to go. We've got a few replies as well. And I'll go through some of these and get you guys, you guys to give me your thoughts. So Tam said, I don't think we will capitulate 
in the same way as three years ago. I also don't think Celtic will be this garbage all season. I think we will fall away a bit, but finish a strong third, much closer to the top than third usually is, with a good platform to build on next season. Mitch Jambo says, I have to say that unlike previous years, I feel this team has a balance and players who are all confident on the ball also feel we are not carrying any passengers like previous squads. Let's put in a challenge and give us a run for our money. Um, James Winter says, would enjoy a title win um, as a backup second place at a Champions League spot is acceptable. Third place is the minimum requirement. And even at that, it needs to be a strong third, much closer to the top spots that other teams have managed. But the title is preferred. Option one. Do are are we are we getting ahead of ourselves, Mark, or is it just a case of well, why not? We're, 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 are we in a much better position than that team three years ago? Yeah, we are because we've got strength and depth. Getting ahead of ourselves, I, I said last week when I made that prediction about one-one that why. Why should we be stuck in the mire of, well, it's always been this way and let's just keep it that way. I hate that thinking. Let's let's make changes. Let's do stuff. Let's let's go to Ibrox and, and, and get a point. Let's qualify for a World Cup if you're, you're Scotland, whether it's through the playoffs or whatever. Just because things have happened for a certain way for so long, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to continue to do that. I mean, ch- change isn't a bad thing. So mm. what, what's to stop us from, from challenging? I think... Right now, the Rangers win the league, Celtic finish second, and the way we've started, I think Hearts get third. Now, there's a lot of money up at stake. Next season, direct entry into the Champions League is worth guaranteed £30 million. That's huge for whoever gets it. It's probably going to be Rangers, um, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Group entry into the Europa League is worth a minimum of £8 million, and this is before any points or wins are taken into account, which you get extra for. And group stage of the Conference League is worth a minimum $4 So that's huge for teams like Hearts, Aberdeen, Mm -hmm. Hebs, St. Johnston. I mean, I'm hearing some weird and wacky numbers emanating from Pitodri, and especially Easter Road, about players that they have got on their books or are signing and have agreed on a pre-contract. Some of the... The, 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 the number that I heard um, for the top earner at Easter Road once they get their guy on in a pre-contract is, is more than double what Hart's highest earner is on. That's nuts. Is it sustainable? Well, I, I don't think it is, but if you've got a sugar daddy to come in to do that, then you've got to speculate to accumulate. And if you could get a 4 million or an 8 million or, God forbid, a 30 million for Champions League, why not have a go? So mm-hmm. for Hart, I think they'll get third right now with the start that they've made if they can maintain what they're doing i'd be disappointed if we we weren't in the very disappointed now if we weren't in the top four but why not just enjoy it because you know what six months down the line when it's kind of march april time we're kind of talking about god we'll get top six let's enjoy this Mm -hmm. why don't why don't we enjoy this why don't we why don't we dream big for a change instead of being scottish or you That's just go what, back to the end of the season last year or the start of the season this year. And it was very much a case of, oh, I hope Hearts get off to a good start. Otherwise, pressure's on Robbie. You know, if so you said at the start of the season, would have taken, what is it, four points out of six from Celtic and Rangers in the league? Yeah. Um, do you mean? He's sitting second after in, what, almost November. You'd be saying that we we're crazy. So I think that... Like you said, a little bit of realism in it, but at the same time, like what you just said, there's a massive opportunity to to really Huge. kick on from this 
and it, uh, even look down south, what used to be the sort of top four, you know, the, like that's just not a, a given. Do you know what I mean? Leicester's all right. They had a crazy time and, and won the league, but they've invested properly and, and now they're sort of up there challenging each and every year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't see why Hearts can't get a, a good structure like they've got in place now and then just add like that, try and get into the group stages next year, get a big influx of money and then don't go wasting it on three crazy players. Reinvest it on good, good quality SBL players, similar to what Aberdeen had sort of had done and just get that core players that you know are going to be challenging for third every single season and then the odd seasons really be pushing it and just build on it from that. Ryan, I love the idea. Sorry, Laurie. I love the idea, Ryan, of not only strengthening us, but weakening our rivals. I love that. Yeah. If we can get someone who's, who's within range financially and he's out of contract or whatever, I think you get a double hit there. You get a really yeah. good player, but you screw your opponents as well. I love that. I, I feel like at the moment there is a, not a wind of change in Scottish football, like the suddenly game and you, a team's going to suddenly dominate. Because, you know, Celtic and Rangers will always be the ones up there on the whole. But it does feel like there's a an opportunity for a team, maybe maybe more than one, but especially a team to really kick on. You know, Aberdeen and Hibs, <clears throat> both in sort of transitional phases, but they're trying to invest. It may well be one of them that to take that opportunity, but Hearts also with a bit of stability. Now, it does feel like maybe one of those three could really have an opportunity here. If you have one good season, you, you make the point there, Mark. And I always think back to that Hearts and Athens game. And I know ultimately over the two legs, Hearts were well beaten, but that could have been a big turning point for Hearts to get to the group stages one year. Sure. The money, the money that could get. But if, you know, if a Hearts team can even get to the Europa League groups, that is you know, eight million pounds on top of what you would normally Massive. have from your. That is crazy, and like you say, it doesn't even factor in the the extra money you can get. No, that's from, base money. Um, this is yeah. the base money, so there's still more money to be. That's that can be long term game changing for a team like Hearts. Yeah, um, and also opens doors to say to players. You, you then get a different range of players. You go on you to Europe saying, "Listen, we can give you six games in the Europa League." Mm-hmm. Yeah, if not more, you'll be challenging. You'll be in semi-finals, finals. You'll, you'll be seen. You'll be That's it. You yeah. will be seen. You, you know, then all of a sudden, players are going, "Oh yeah, we're going to Hearts. We're in the Europa League." Oh, yeah. Bloody hell! What a move that is. And and then that's you just snowball it on from there, and then you win the Champions League. I, d- I just think Ryan. I mean, the, there's there's something that's that's changing in sport or or whatever. I just think. The fear factor. So long, it was just it was it was dominated by certain people, certain teams, or whatever, and it was just accepted. And there was a fear factor about facing a player or a team or or whatever. I think it's time now that instead of we going why, we go why not? Just mm-hmm. just have, have a go, do it. It's I always when I've spoken about this before, Ryan, on the show, I've always kind of suggested it's an Aussie mentality. They don't look at glass half empty. It's glass half full. Well, they normally drink the glass when it's half empty, um, the Aussies. <laughs> but it's just that outlook. And I, I don't know, is that something that, if we just have a little bit more belief, is that something you feel about certain countries, Scotland included, coming from Australia, where you have this, I don't give a fuck mentality, because you're yeah. not worried about the outcome or the consequences. Is that something that we should be trying a bit harder to do in Scotland? 
Yeah, I think so. I think 100%. Uh, that is a sort of Aussie attitude, and especially in, in football. And um, I remember, obviously, Ange is at Celtic, but when he was national team coach, telling a little story here, and uh, we're, I don't know if you know, but when I was at the World Cup, he said before one of the games when we played Holland, he um, got the bookies out, and I think we were 6-1, to one, I think, to beat them, 5-1 to one to, to beat Holland. And he whacked it up on the board. It's a bit, it's a bit short, isn't it? <laughs> he whacked it. It must have been more. Say it was say it was ten to one for a story's take. It was ten to one. He goes, that's pretty big, isn't it? That's that's pretty you know, big odds for us to win tonight. And obviously not many people are going to be betting on us. And then he started, you know, going to individually. But he's like Tim Cahill, six years old, young boy in in Sydney. For him to play at a World Cup, what odds would you be giving him? And everyone's sitting there going, you, you, you'd probably be in the thousands, if not millions, to go play at Everton and to score goals. You know, Gauza, a young boy in Adelaide, for you to go and win a Scottish Cup and play in China and be in a national team, being at a World Cup, what, what odds would have they given you? And he's like, 10 to 1 all of a sudden seems pretty bloody good odds, doesn't it? So mm. look where we've come from and look, look at how well we've done as a group to get to where we are. Who cares if it's ten to one? We've we've defied way more odds to get to where we are right now. So why can't we go out and win this game? And I think that's the kind of mentality that that Hearts should be having. You know what I mean? Why why can't they f- finish second? We, we've done it. We did it. What two thousand and six um, split the old firm? Why why couldn't we do it this year? We've got a good solid group. Aberdeen ran Celtic close a couple of years, and you would argue that this squad's better than the Aberdeen one that did it. You know, let's let's flip it. Let's not just think we want to be in a position in January and February where Rangers and Celtic fans are checking to see what Hart's score was. You know, they're not just checking to say, "Oh, how did Rangers get on?" Mm-hmm. Fuck this, those bloody Jambos. They're still a couple of points behind us. If they win, oh, they've got that easy game. So and so here, fuck. We need to go. We still got Tynecastle to go to. You know what I mean? As an opposition player going to Tynecastle, we used to think, "Oh, Jesus." Hopefully, Hart's aren't on form today, and I think they're getting that sort of support of and again momentum is such a big thing in football no one will want to be coming to Tyne Castle now no, even if you're going to play at the other teams they'll be thinking oh fucking old hearts now you know you'll be getting three or four thousand away fans I think we sh- right now we really have to get onto that bandwagon of do you know what we're going to just keep winning games keep beating everyone if we can't win at least draw and let's just see where we are come January and, and you also have that carrot now in January of uh, maybe we'll get that extra player because we know that if we do get third and we make the group stages, we're getting this £8 million. Pounds, we're getting that, do you know what I mean? And it just rolls on and rolls on from there. And um, that, yeah, that I think, I, I do think everything that Robbie's been saying is is exactly what I think that would be happening behind the scenes is that they'll be thinking they've got a real good shot here of, of at least coming third and, and giving everything a real shake inspiring words from Ryan and Kenny151 also said dare to dream and Dave yeah. Lawson said first nothing less hearts, hearts <laughs> glorious hearts there we go good I'm glad I want more positivity there you are right let's look ahead before we go to this coming weekend um, when Heart and Midlothian host Dundee and mm. just just when I was thinking, it's like, are we, are we, are we going to focus much on on what happened before? Robbie Nielsen's like, we're not forgetting it, which is fine. But in terms of in terms of the game itself, now 
it's one of these where you know we're on a high, we're unbeaten, we've, we've had quite a few good results this season. This is a game against well until the weekend when they defeated Aberdeen. Dundee had been bottom of the table; they're still second bottom. They've lost every away game in the league. I think they've only scored one goal on the road. This is a game where you kind of feel like it's almost too much in our favour. We can't take an eye off the ball here. Or we're just going to pump them, Mark. Where's the positivity? Mm. We'll go beat everyone oh, yeah. at home. Hey, we're going to beat everyone. Doesn't matter home and away. Someone's got to play no. devil's advocate here. Come on. Okay, yeah. I get that. That's, that. that's fair. There was something about our approach to that first game of last season. And we didn't have that approach at all again, apart from maybe one more game at Wraith Rovers, perhaps, where it was all the eggs in the one basket. We were we are going to pump them. We're going to start the season on the TV. We're going to just kick their arses. And they did. And they did. They've got dangerous players, dangerous individuals. But if you're asking for work rate from Charlie Adam, for Lee Griffiths, from Jason Cummings as well, I mean, they'll, they'll be up for it. But if we play the way we've played this season, Hearts win this, right? Yeah, they should. They should. Gotta go down it though. Yeah, but I also just think that it's just a different. I just get that feeling of it's a different group at the moment. Yes, I just think that they'll be they'll be looking at this as yeah, we need to get the three points. Not like oh, I hope we get it. They'll just be like right, Dundee at home this weekend. Let's get the three points, and then we move on to who we got next. I I don't know what you want to do. Um, after you you finished playing football, Ryan. But if, by any stretch of the imagination, you decided to become a coach, what would be, if you had 30 seconds, um, give us a wee exclusive of you in the Hearts dressing room prior to this game against Dundee, based on where they are, everything they've done this season, the game against Rangers, how are you getting your players fired up for this Dundee game? 30 seconds, go. We win, we'll go top. That we can't control what else happens, but let's make sure that once we're, the 90 minutes are finished, we've won that game, we come in and we know that we're top. We can't control, we can only control what we're going to do in these 90 minutes. So let's make sure that we win it, come back in. If the other teams have won points or dropped points, that doesn't matter, but that's all we can control. And get yourselves out there and win the game. Pretty good. Come on, lads. Come on, hearts. Come on, hearts. I'm claiming a wall now. I'm, I'm I'm desperate to go for Coach McGowan. Oh, well, I, I mean, he's he's got a point because uh, there's five games on Saturday. Um, yeah, Hibs away to Aberdeen, and although Aberdeen have been off form, could see maybe Hibs dropping some points there. Celtic home at St Johnston, expect them to win. Dundee United, Motherwell, Ross County, Livingston, but the only team above us, of course, is Rangers, and they don't play till Sunday away to St Mirren. So yes, three points. Parks go two points clear and put some pressure on Rangers, which is mm. which is a big incentive, even if it's only for twenty four hours potentially. Yeah, but, but again, you can only control what you can control. So that that's all Robbie needs to say. We win this game, we're top of the league. That's it. That's, it's, it's, Doesn't even need the thirty seconds, does he? No. Just flip the chart over. We win today. We go top of the league. See us later. See us in ninety minutes. Don't even want to talk to you at half time. Well, he might not even get the chance to if he's if, if he's if he's got a touchline ban. Does that mean he's not allowed to speak to the players at the half time? How does that work these days? Yeah, no, you're not allowed to unless you get your little security guard to wiggle you in. <laughs> Brian, from a from a, from a player's point of view, because it's quite, I thought it was quite funny when we had Robbie on the show the first time. He spoke about George Burley in two thousand five, two thousand six, and we 
we asked him, you know, what what was he like as a manager? And it, it was it was almost like this the the we don't really feel like managers would do that these days, but he basically Robbie said there was no focus on the opposition whatsoever. He basically said he'd list their names and George Burley would literally go, shite, he's shite, 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 shite. Because Robbie said you were in a dressing room with, you know, Edgaris Jankowskis, Solis Mikkel Yunus, Takis Fisas, players who you know, played other elsewhere. Some of them had done a lot of things, but on the whole, whether they were, you know, well-known like Fisas and Jankowskis or they were just Brelier and Mikkel Yunus who wouldn't have known Scottish football very well, regardless, they didn't know a lot of these players. So they didn't have any, they wouldn't have seen Motherwell and Aberdeen and whatever playing. So he said, he just based on the fact that, well, give them all a big, big all the team up. No, they're better than these players. So they don't need to worry about any of these players they're up against because they're better than them. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously very much a man management type of thing. I mean, I, I know a lot of people or a lot of managers now would probably say, Robbie himself would probably say, well, we need to have a little bit of focus on the strengths and weaknesses of certain players or who will, what way they'll shift the ball or who will make the runs in behind or whatever. But as a player, do you think that sometimes is all that a manager needs to say? If you are the better team, you know, if, when you've played wherever it might be, Sydney, Hearts, mm-hmm. Dundee United, I wouldn't say Dundee because I don't think you were better than any other team, so that probably wouldn't have counted. But if you're better than the other team, is it sometimes all you need to hear is, don't worry about them, just fucking go and do your thing? Yeah, they mess it up. Just obviously at Sydney, we were, we've been very successful and our coach used to just say that not, not one of their players would get into our team. So what, like, why were we worrying about what they were doing? They would be on our bench. And I think you could probably apply that to, to Dundee, or Robbie could apply that to Dundee. Their three best players, you could argue, what, Adams, Griffiths, and... That's not it. sure. Yeah. Do we even have a would they, <laughs> would they Would they play? Would they be on the bench? Would they even make the bench? You could argue that Walker would go play for Dundee, wouldn't he? And he's not even on the bench. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah. This and then obviously with everything that's happened last season, um, I think, yeah, you'd just be totally focused on. And again, again, you're at home. I feel like you should have a different approach, especially at Tynecastle. You know, Jim Jeffries used to say that win the you win the game in the first twenty minutes at, at Hearts if you get if you start well, and it's so important under Burley. I think they had a great record of scoring in the first twenty minutes. Um, and it just sets that tone because a lot of teams would come, Dundee would come to Tynecastle with probably a similar mindset of what Hearts went to Ibrox in terms of keep it tight, let's see mm-hmm. how we go first half. If you score within 10, 15 minutes, that's just blown out the window. You've been yeah. working all week on getting it to nil-nil and then all of a sudden you're playing thinking, well, what do we do now? We have to go like Livingston a couple of weeks ago. Oh, shit, what do we do now? that They've scored two goals and now we're going to have to actually you know, start keeping the ball and start moving forward and Hearts and just can pick them off at ease. And um, yeah, I think I think Robbie will definitely have that approach. He's already planted the seeds. I just think this week they'll be totally focused on let's not ruin what we've done at the weekend by getting a point at a difficult venue to then go chuck away two or worst case, bloody lose the game against Dundee at the weekend. I think there's just um, the momentum that they're on. Those players shouldn't even be be worrying about uh, Dundee we should just be thinking if we play to our capabilities we'll win that game go home have a beer top of the league and and see who we're playing next sounds good Mark um, give me a prediction but I also want you to give me 
a goal scorer. I'm assuming that you're going to say Hearts <laughs> will win. And I'm assuming that you're going to say by more than one goal. I want a goal scorer who's not Liam Boyce. 2-0 Ben Woodburn. Okay. Hmm. I like it. I'm going to go 3-0. And I'm going to say Cammy Devlin. Oh, my goodness. Imagine no. McGowan. If Devlin, Devlin... Oh, he's not having it. Oh, I, I love Cammy. I love Cammy, but I just... I think he scored one goal in four seasons. I think I've got a better goal scoring record than he has. He had a shot. He forced a save at McGregor at the weekend. Yeah, I have a shot every week. It doesn't mean I'm going to score. <laughs> what a By penalty as well. Did you see, I just totally remembered this. Did you see the, the, the Cammy Devlin shot, Mark, when McGregor saved it? And he spilled it. Mm. Oh, and Boyce. What's Boyce, Boyce doing? Just follow it in. I was, it wasn't just... He was his hands going, up. He turned around <laughs> and started shouting at like Devlin. He should have passed to me. McGregor spilled the ball. <laughs> I watched it back. I think he was shouting at Mackay for it? not okay. cutting it just before because that's the, ah. it's, that's what it's from, isn't it? Because but I thought he could have got to the um, the rebound yeah, after. Have, it would have been close, but yeah. a, a bit of McGregor, McGregor's thinking, "Oh, that was a bit too easy." Because he turns <laughs> his back, boys. I, yeah. Anyway, anyway three 0 Devlin. I'm just I don't know. I just I just fancy. What do you, what do you think, right? Give me a score. And a non boys goal scorer who might get on the score sheet. I'm going to go 4 0. Oh, I think it'll be geez. an absolute pumping. 4 0 and Mackay. That's good. Think, yeah. good pick. It's a good pick. To score yeah. anytime. Yeah, yeah, I just mean, just, just yeah. to make it interesting, yeah. just a, someone who'll yeah. get on the score sheet. Yeah, I just okay. think there's a real good fuel factor. Go take a couple at home. Excellent. Three o'clock. That I love this new newfound positivity. This yeah. is this is this is what it's all about. None of this. Ooh, ooh, what well, we're going to do when we lose to Celtic in the first game? Fuck off. Well, look at the next <laughs> six games. I mean, Mark, we're we're, we're going to have do to. This. Don't you dare do this! I told what? you, Stephen Frail did this. Well, look at the next six. Yeah, we the next five over Christmas. We're aiming for if we get twelve or thirteen. If they got one. I know. Drew, Drew and lost. No, that doesn't do mean that. that you. It doesn't mean that we can't. I remember no. that. That was like 2009, 10, wasn't it? It was caretaker um, or something, and it was yeah. Christmas Fine. period. I was, okay. Yeah. I, I hate. Honestly, I hate doing that. Uh, okay. Because it, it, second that. game depends on the first game. Third game depends no. on the first two games. No, don't do. Let's not. No. No. That's not. Fine. That's evil. That's Fine. bad memories. That Mark. Because I. Again, going back to my playing days at Hearts, uh, I wanted to go home that Christmas because I was in the youth team and we obviously didn't have, we had a three-week, all the youth team had three weeks off. Home's and, Edinburgh. Um, at that time, it was Adelaide. <laughs> um, and uh, so I had my, Hearts had booked my flights back to Adelaide. It was thinking Christmas, back with my parents, Dylan, all my mates, Summer, absolutely Buzzing to get back. Who's she? Ah, you got the first yeah. name. Yay! <laughs> um, buzzing to get back in about five days before my flight. Stevie Frail said, um, you know, like that, we've got a busy run of games. Uh, we're going to keep oh, you here. No. Oh. Um, so, you know, you're going to get some minutes. I know you'll be disappointed not to go home, but like you're obviously here to play in the first team. So, you know, we see we win the next couple and then you get, get some game time and, you know, you've been doing well at training, blah, blah, blah. Did you play? Did you get a game? Did I hell? I didn't play till <laughs> the bloody last game of the season. <laughs> Went up to Inverness in like January to clean everyone's boots because I was the only scud book that stayed back. <laughs> not, not that you're still bitter 12 <laughs> years on. 
and I just went, all my mates, all my mates didn't even have to come because like you then get a, the youth team used to get days that they'd come in to help clean the boots. And then because I had been called up, I was already a one. So then I would just get like two random guys coming in on a Tuesday just to help me clean 30 odd boots. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm, ba- I'm not back in until next Wednesday. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, well, well. Yeah. Good times. Don't Dunsa. Character don't, building. Don't start that. Exactly. Don't start that, Dunsa. Okay. Well, we won't. But next week we'll talk about... Well, actually, depends when we come back next week because Hearts do play... Can I look two games ahead? Because Hearts play St. Johnston next midweek. So, so they do. Wednesday oh. night. So... I know I'm not, I'm not meant to do this off air, but when, when are you guys free next week? Are we going to do a pre so or post? I, I'm going to do a McGowan here. I'm away next week, but I don't know where I'm going because <laughs> it's dependent on the World Series. So I know I'm either going to be in Boston, Atlanta, Houston, or Los Angeles. <sighs> so I don't know. Well, I don't know. And game one is Tuesday and game two is Wednesday. So I'm traveling on the Thursday. So I'll do my best because if Ryan can make it work at Kuwait in the middle of the night, I did mm-hmm. it from Houston a couple of years ago. So I'm happy to, to do something. But now we've got a superstar on board as well. It's def- we, we just have to go when, when he's available. That's right, a lie. Ryan? That's a lie. I'm free most nights after <laughs> 10.30 Kuwait time. Are is... you playing? Has the season started yet? I know you've got cup semis no. and cup finals. When do you league big game tomorrow. Start? Big game tomorrow. AFC Cup West side final is tomorrow night Jesus. in Bahrain. Massive. Um, big game. Who are you playing? I, I wouldn't want to disrespect them by pronouncing the name wrongly. You don't know who you you're don't playing, know. do you? You don't know who you're playing. Morak? Morak Club? <laughs> okay. Well, there you I think, I don't think okay, well, my, my point is That's we might right. be back before the St. Johnson game. We might be back after the St. Johnson game, so we won't focus too much on that. But if we're back after it, we'll talk about Hearts Dundee and we'll talk about St. Johnson Hearts if we're before. You know what'll happen. Anyway, um, keep an eye on the, the Twitter page. We'll we'll release the information then. If you want to get in touch and give us your ideas for um, a Hearts-related storyline in a popular TV show, you can, if you can come up with something, let us know on Twitter at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk We'll be back next week whatever happens Good luck against Muharak, Brian <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Cheers guys Thanks very Cheers. much Bye bye It's a disaster for Alan McGregor Disaster for Alan McGregor Disaster for Alan McGregor Disaster for Alan McGregor Who misses the corner Missed by McGregor It's a howler from the goalkeeper Howler, 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 howler Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp 
I turn my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light It split the night And touched the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people maybe